0: Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host Mitch Michaels and thank you for joining me on this sports podcast where we have a lot to discuss today. Thursday, April 25th, NFL Draft with Matt Wittenberg. We're going to talk about our preview, our predictions for the first round. That's a little later in the show, Draft Tonight in Nashville. Will the Cardinals, will his Cardinals take Kyler Murray? How would the Dominoes fall? But up first, Joe Crisali and I revisit some disastrous first-round picks. It was utter chaos in the NHL. We look at San Jose, Vegas, and Washington, and Carolina going into overtime. The defending in Game 7, the defending cup champs are out. Washington's out to Carolina. Columbus, Boston starts tonight. We make all of our second-round picks. Try to make some sense of the NHL playoffs. It's Joe Crisali on the Money Mitch Effect, followed by Matt Wittenberg. Let's start the show. All right, Money Mitch Effect. We waited until the wee hours of the night. It's on the West Coast, so it's not super late. We had to wait until game, until, <laughs> round, until round one. Yeah, I don't even know how many games it's been. Until round one was completed, the last game took Dude, two overtime. I
1: don't overtimes. know if we can do this today. I don't know if we can do this tonight. It's too late,
0: 8.30, man. I got to get to bed. I got to go to work. I know. It's eight, oh, man, there's no more sports on. What am I going to do? Uh, All right, Joe Crisali is on the line. We're here to talk NHL playoffs. Joe, thanks for coming back on the Money Mitch Effect. It's been crazy what's happened. And for the first time, I think, I mean, definitely in recent memory, I think this is the first time it's ever happened. We have all four division winners out in the first round. Definitely the first time that both eight seeds have lost in the same year. What a crazy, chaotic playoff this has been so far.
1: Needless to say, I don't think... It went as other of
0: us had planned. All right, I, I well, let's just address that now. <laughs> you got four picks, right? I only got two. We each should have got three and one, uh, if it wasn't for okay. uh, Pavelski's face so... splitting open on the ice. But there, uh, oh, there man. was a lot of chaos. And look, you're gonna, we're gonna be wrong. We're gonna make bad predictions. People do that all the time. But at least I'm gonna take comfort. I'm gonna look at it as glasses half full. This was a crazy postseason. This stuff never happens. There's really. There's literally no historical precedent of this happening, so I'm feeling. I'm when does the top? Forward. When does the top favorite team
1: get swept in the first round?
0: So is that what Dude, you? Oh. Is, <laughs> is that what you remember? Because there's a lot to remember out of the first round of the playoffs. But number one is I'm probably Tampa Bay getting swept. Really, the eight seeds going eight and one in the first round. Colorado is going to get overshadowed by what Columbus did. And I know we were kind of—I was more bullish on Calgary than you were, but Colorado went won that series in five games, so they were almost as impressive as what Columbus did. I want to give them credit before we dive into the Blue Jackets because the Avalanche, what they did, I think, is uh, deserves a lot of praise as well.
1: No, I'm totally with you there. When we were going about it, talking, to, you know, before we look like idiots, uh, we both thought Calgary was a good team, and we did We Colorado kind of stumbled in, so you were like, "All right." You know, how are they going to play? But, I mean, both winners there losing in, you know, four or five games is insane. To start the playoffs, insane. So now you're looking at these next rounds and you're like, okay, this doesn't look like anything that I could have even thought would be possible. Dallas-St. Louis, I think, was the only one really that you and me were kind of the same on. I was you had Nashville. I but, did. But I you did. were – you underneath it all, you, you were rooting for the stars because you knew it.
0: <laughs> I, I, I remember saying in seven, that was one of my better misses. We both had some terrible misses, including this game that just went final. But you, no, you're right. I mean, <laughs> one thing I learned was that how quickly a series can change. Colorado was down 1 0 in overtime at Calgary, they, they were one goal away in overtime from being 2 nothing. Nathan McKinnon. Look, he's a top five player in the league. This is my hill to die on. I've decided he's a top five NHL player. <laughs> Prove me wrong. But, you know, it's funny. They flipped the script there, and then Columbus Tampa flipping it in that three goal game, game one, where if Tampa wins that game comfortably or even holds on, that could be a different series. It's just crazy to see how quick this flips. I'm going to remember Columbus, yeah. Joe. This was a laughing stock of a franchise for so long. They make the playoffs once in, I think, 2009, get swept by the Red Wings, come back, and and still can't win a playoff series. To win their first series ever, to do it against a team that tied for the most wins in regular season history, and to beat the living daylights out of them while doing it is something none of us saw coming.
1: I'll just say the amount of, oh, my God, what the hell, Seth Jones. Get off the ice, Seth Jones, too. Oh, my God, Seth Jones, amazing. Texts <laughs> I got from you were just absurd.
0: <laughs> you saw he gave up a few goals that were directly his fault and then would just score them back later in the game. You know, that, that's just what I he guess, did. I guess
1: take it, or, take it or leave it. You have to. No, but I'm with you there. I, I, can, I can root for Columbus in this because seeing them defeat, like, the one of the most favored teams you could have possibly have, you know, in the playoffs, and just and to sweep them and get into this next round. After you and me said, you know, they made all these moves at the end or towards uh, at the trade deadline and and you know picking up some other guys, and we were both kind of like, oh, maybe they'll do it, maybe they won't. You know, they got some talent now, but who knows what they're going to do? This guy doesn't want to play here. This other guy wants to get traded. Yada yada. Babovsky was like, trade me earlier in the season, and they get Dushane, and you're like, all right, what's, what's, how's this going? And then um, Panarin, obviously, but it was it was an insane series.
0: It was. To say the it, least. It, when, it, when, it
1: three, when it was three zip, you were, when it was two zip, even, you were kind of like, all right. They did it last uh, year. That's the exact same
0: year. thing that happened last year. <laughs> you know, they were up two zip coming home. And they had that game and I think double overtime as well. I love this matchup, obviously, as a Columbus fan, but it shows you that, you know, series are not won and lost based on what you did in the regular season. And skill isn't always gonna win. Tampa Bay got destroyed by that Columbus 4 Check. Joe, they were afraid they were a broken team and and they weren't really used to adversity all season. Then they they're down, they got blood in the water, they weren't built like that Washington team last year that had some veterans, guys that had been in grueling playoff series before, and I think it showed. But what Columbus did Really turning Columbus into a hockey town. I know it's not going to be a Canadian town or, or even a Chicago or Boston, but 5,500 <laughs> people at a practice the other day. So it's getting there. The, the the arena was buzzing. I think everybody watching could see that. Get the people going. <laughs> hey, a couple other thoughts on the first th- first round, Joe. I know there's a lot to break down, but I want to uh, I want to mention one thing. Golden Knights Sharks may have produced the best game I can remember. Definitely in the last five years. The only game I was thinking about this, the shortlist off the top of my hand, off the top of my head, the Blackhawks Kings game seven from fourteen. I still think was a better overall game. But if you're going to give me one period that I can remember in my life, I'm probably going to take that chaos of the third period uh, last night. And then overtime was just incredible how fast they played. But that game, that was insane. Four on a controversial call that we can dive into, but four power play goals on a five minute major and all within, I think four minutes from the Sharks. It was uh, another thing that I just haven't seen before and was just scratching my head for about five minutes after the game ended.
1: Yeah, man, they're down three zip in the third and you're like, all right, uh, this is not looking good for them. (laughs) And then like you said, they get those uh, three, those four, they got four, four power play goals to take the lead. And, Obviously, Marge assault comes back and ties it, and they go to OT. But it was an insane, insane chain of events.
0: That penalty was questionable. I understand both sides to it. the The only thing I would say, Joe, obviously he didn't hit him in the face. Pavelski gets hit, you know, runs it, collides with Stasny, I should say. After Eakin hits him, hits his head on the ice. That was so scary to see him just laying there, bleeding all over the place. But there is language in the rule book that says. If you cause someone to get injured, regardless of what the infraction is, especially in cross-checking, they could call it a major penalty. Not crazy about that idea, but we see it with high sticking. With the, if you make someone bleed, it's a four minutes, regardless of the intent, regardless of what exactly happens. It was a dumb play by Eakin. There's no need to cross-check someone off the face-off draw. You're right in front of the referee. But again, you also gave up four straight goals. All of them pretty nice. On the power play, your penalty kill was getting abused. Flory was kind of lost out there. The Sharks rallied. They used the almost the death of their captain as a rallying cry. I thought I was watching Braveheart there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, at the beginning of the series, you're thinking, you know, Martin Jones is looking like what we thought Martin Jones would look like. like we talked about before. He's saying that uh, Vegas had a more proven goaltender, maybe a little bit better in the playoffs, and Martin Jones kind of was that iffy guy. And those first three games, he looked terrible. First four games, he kind of looked pretty terrible. And you're like, all right, are they going to turn to Dell here? He, this guy's not looking so good. And then he comes out and he just produces that absolute gem of the game. with 58
0: saves, are you kidding me? To get them to that game seven? It's that's it's ridiculous. That's the part that's insane, Joe, because he gave up 11. There was a stretch where he gave up 11 goals on 54 shots. He he's it was a miracle he was even in the net. They they had no other they had nowhere else to go, no other options. And he comes up with the game of his life in game six. Hurdle doing uh doing his Michael Jordan impression, doing his Mark Messier impression, saying that they're gonna be back home in San Jose and then scoring the winner in a shorthanded goal in game six. And you noticed who scores these overtime goals, right? It's never been like it's it's not usually the superstar. It was Goudreau, not Johnny Hockey, the other one, spelled differently who barely played in that game on just an absolute dime of a pass from who else, Eric Carlson. And that put the Sharks... That 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 had the makings of a fairytale type thing. Assists.
1: Carlson had nine assists in that series.
0: And he's not healthy. We all know he's not healthy. You could see him out there laboring. I mean, that was probably my favorite part of the uh, announcing was when uh, Ray Ferraro said that they're only going to release the injury reports for one team when this game's over. The other team's just going to keep it hidden and keep playing, but that was incredible. Yeah, you don't
1: want to know what this guy's dealing with.
0: No, you don't. You don't. That was incredible. Sharks uh, play-by-play announcer. If you want, if you, if everybody out there listening wants to hear something funny, find their feet. He's like having a seizure during that comeback. It's pretty funny. Uh, so that was incredible. We uh, we also lost the defending Stanley Cup champs. Seizures are funny. <laughs> he didn't actually have yeah, <laughs> are funny. I don't know, you know, I was thinking of a hot take. I think I got one. Uh, we also lost the Stanley Cup champions from last year. They'll be a new champion this year. The Capitals are out in seven games to so the Hurricanes, Joe. We both missed it, but you missed it a little worse than me because you predicted sweep. Didn't exactly turn out that way.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't be rubbing that one in my face, all right? Your team swept and you didn't even have them having a chance.
0: <laughs> true. True. Uh that was uh that was pretty pretty insane that the Hurricanes won all three games at home by convincing fashion tonight they're down by two goals in the second period. And they come back. Caps let them in the game with that lazy with some of their lazy play midway through when they had complete control of the they shorthanded were tired. goal. Overtime, it was all about the Hurricanes and uh, Justin Williams playing big again. So we got I – mean, It, was, just, it I mean, was a lot of
1: uninspiring hockey played by the Capitals. They were just looking way too tired out there, and Carolina was just running circles, skating circles around them in that overtime period. And then, then for that second overtime period, you could tell they that they didn't have it. Once, once they couldn't get the puck out of the zone, and that was it for them on that last possession there. That
0: was a great tip-in, though. Great po- tip-in. Had a power play, didn't score. You felt like that was the end. They really missed yep. D.J. Oshie after he got hurt. You could see it. They 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 could have used him, the steadying offensive force, especially on their second line. And Holpe, he's got to stop that that Jarrett Stoll shot. I mean, he has to make that safe. I know he played pretty well in overtime. Keeping he let in a going. couple
1: easy ones. He let in a couple
0: easy ones. Yeah, the shorthand one kicked out and Washington's going home. It's so hard to repeat. It's probably the hardest sport to do it in. It's a grind. You, don't, a... Get, you don't get the length of the off season. That's all I was going to say. I mean, you really just don't get the same preparation because you're partying and you're playing longer into June.
1: There was a play There was a play in the third period that kind of had me scratching my head a little bit. Now, when Mrazik, uh helmet popped off his head after Ovechkin had a point-blank one-timer, off a great, absolute great pass from the puck getting stuck in the boards. And uh, Mrazic I mean, Ovechkin did exactly what they tell you not to do. He shot the puck right into his chest from point blank on Mm -hmm. a one-timer. But it it created a great rebound chance, and the Capitals had some dudes coming around the side of the net, and Mrazik's helmet flew off, and he was out of position. So I was kind of like, oh, really? You know, you're going to stop it like that? It's kind of like knocking the – Knocking the goal off, yeah. Knocking the net off, but I don't know. I mean, that's just that's just me not wanting to see any more <laughs> freaking Whalers jerseys. Well, that, with yeah, these fake
0: dudes. <laughs> you were. This is the hardest you've ever rooted for the Caps, and probably the most angry you ever got seeing a Whalers jersey behind a bench when they were celebrating. As soon
1: as the as soon as the game ended, they the shot of the Carolina bench. One dude in the crowd in a Whalers jersey, and I just was like, oh my
0: god. Hey, we got do to give, not want to see any more of this. we got to give props to the team they're playing. How random is that Islanders-Canes matchup going to be in the second round? Uh, it was crazy to see. I mean, the Islanders lost in all of this madness. They swept a team they had home ice on. But the Pittsburgh Penguins, winner of two, winner of two of the last three Stanley Cups, and the Islanders just pushed them around. Barry Trotz outlasting his former team. You know, I do want to bring this up because we're going to get to Tavares too. Barry Trotz into the second round. Washington Capitals not. John Tavares took five meetings with teams last year. Every one of those teams is in the second round. He's not. It's <laughs> Funny how that plays out, right? Uh, man, Tavares just not looking good right now either. But the Islanders are. I doubted him. I didn't pick him to win. I thought the Penguins were better overall. Islanders just shut them down. Pittsburgh couldn't score. There's going to be big changes coming in Pittsburgh. Gotta love that. But all props to the Islanders.
1: Yeah, they they did it pretty handily, pretty easily. I didn't think it was going to be that easy for them, but I do. I do have the Islanders in the conference finals and mm-hmm. going no, up against Carolina. They, I, <laughs> going going up against Carolina. You know which way I'm leaning there.
0: Yeah, I,
1: like it, you said, Tavares. T- Tavares didn't do for Toronto and I know most Maple Leaf fans are going to be blaming Jake Gardner on this,
0: uh, oh on this loss there. I, I'm going to, that was
1: classic <laughs> Toronto
0: collapse. It They've was, been, you know, last couple years. How is this a rivalry? Is my question. Boston, Toronto, my, my thoughts. It's a lot like what the Capitals penguins were before the Capitals slayed the beast last year. This always happens. We get to this point, and Boston wins. I'm an idiot for picking against them. I'm just not going to do it until they actually prove me wrong. So that's my pledge to everybody out there. I'm no longer picking Toronto. I'm going to go on a You're Toronto seeing, you got to
1: see it to believe it.
0: They had the chance. They had game six. They scored the first goal in that game at home. Crowd's buzzing, and they didn't get it done. They come out against. They come out against Boston in game seven, playing pretty well. Bonehead mistake, soft goal. Bonehead mistake, Jake Gardner. Where does that sound familiar? Game seven in Boston, another idiot played by Gardner, <laughs> and uh, hansey's another one on uh, on Toronto. That was just so slow out there. But I mean, they they were right there. Austin Matthews had a great series. Tavares was a little up and down. Goaltending was was good for the most part, but they just choke in the big moments. That's what I'm going to remember about the eighteen nineteen Toronto Maple Leaf season. Same. It just. Shame. I, I just. I can't. Boston was beatable. They had a chance, and Toronto couldn't do it. They won game five on the road and couldn't
1: what did I? What did I say the difference maker was going to be in that series? I said Boston is a little better defensively than Toronto.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: Toronto blew it on D at the end.
0: Tuca Rask played well. A lot of Tuka haters out there, especially in Boston. And then that Central Division, which saw Nashville lose to the Stars in six games, OT game six. You know, no one really talks about that OT game because there was all these OT game sevens, but that was high-quality stuff with the Stars winning that series and the Winnipeg-St. Louis series where our home team didn't win until Game 6. Winnipeg does all that work to get back to home ice and they choke it away in Game 5 in classic Winnipeg Jets style.
1: (laughs) I think that was an easy series for the Blues. They made that look a little bit easier than than I had anticipated. I remember when you were talking them up a little bit, I kind of jumped on that train, but I I didn't expect them to dominate the way that they did. Yeah, But like you said, Winnipeg, they're, they're cho- you know, they're, they, choked. they
0: ended the season playing some of the worst hockey in the NHL, and I really do think that stuff matters and we should pay more attention to it because they were one of the worst teams. They, they blew the division to Nashville. They ended up with a tough series against St. Louis. I know all these series would have been tough, but they just couldn't put games together, and they got beat three times on their home ice in a seven-game series. You have no business winning a series when that happens. No, you don't. So, with that, Money Mitch Effect, Joker, Sally. That was a lot on the first round, but we had a lot to talk about. Some years it's boring. This was not one of them. Eight teams remain. Stanley Cup up for grabs. And uh, by my my recollection, I know the Bruins won in 11, Joe. But we could either be seeing a a first-time champion in a lot of these cases or a team that hasn't won in well over a decade, some in multiple decades. So, it's not going to be a team we've seen in recent memory winning a cup. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, remember when at the
1: beginning of the season I said it could be the Stars, and you laughed at me? I
0: didn't laugh. I, I, we'll check the tape. <laughs> I said, well, that's a bold pick. But that was – I'm, I'm sure I didn't agree with you, but I know you're you're high on the Stars. We can start with that series, Stars and Blues. Blues have the home ice. Blues... If they
1: pull this out, if if they pull out this series, I'm going to be so tooting my own horn. Oh, my God. Well,
0: <laughs> you're you're – I'm going to give you half credit, and I'm going to point to the other thing. Half credit being they're getting scoring. I was questionable. I was wondering whether or not they were going to get scoring from their depth. Guys, Zuccarello has been amazing. That's kind of the other side of the coin. It's a former Ranger that's been stepping up. But he's been incredible. Boom. I know they're playing good. I know they're playing good defense. Congrats, by the way, on that uh, draft pick that's now a fourth-round pick. So congrats on that uh, for the Rangers. But I think you need your stars to step up. Sagan was great. Ben was great even without scoring. I think Ben Bishop is the key in this series because the Blues are going to play a certain way. Bennington's been great. Bet the under on basically every game this series is my overall advice. There's going to be a lot of 2 1 finals, <laughs> I would think. But if Ben Bishop plays well, if he can I'll say this if he can play Bennington to a stalemate, Dallas is going to win this series. I think that's I think they have enough talent up front. Now that's way easier said than done, and you might not get the ch- shot opportunities that the Blues are going to get based on how the Blues play defense. But if Bishop plays well, if he outplays Bennington, I think Dallas wins this series. Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: And I, I I think, not biasly, but I think Bishop's a little bit more of a proven goalie, and he has the experience. I just think he's better than Bennington. Bennington, I don't know. i, I got to look back at how he did in the games for the last series. But I don't think I think he had a couple games where he was a little bit questionable um but like like you said Dallas they you know you didn't think that they were going to be able to score and they were able to score like i said they needed one or two other guys from their depth to get it done for them Radulov had a good series Heskinen scored that goal in the first game to really get them going great series um, for him too yeah he had a great series and then um you made that joke about Spetshev he and he was getting healthy scratch and it didn't even matter
0: <laughs> no It didn't. The Blues, you got to give credit to a couple players. Jaden Swartz back again. Man, did they miss that. And Ryan O'Reilly is having one of the more underrated seasons that that we can remember. No one talks about this guy, but he's been playing at a top 10 overall level, I would say, in the NHL, just what he does consistently. I think it's going to be a low-scoring series. I think the Blues, if they can control the tempo, they can play better, and they can Grind out some victories. Both these teams can win big road games. Joe, I know who you're picking. I'm gonna say stars and seven. I'll, I'll ride with Dallas this time.
1: Stars and seven. Let's go.
0: You think they go? You think they go to St. Louis for seven, or do they close out in six?
1: Like you said, they proven they can win
0: big games on the road. Seven game hmm. seven. OT. Let's see another one. Hey, St. Louis friends. Carolina of mine. just beat the defending <laughs> champs. On the road, Game Seven. They did. St. Louis, friends of mine. I know we disagree. I know, uh, obviously, this might hurt your feelings, but I'm so bad at picking. You should take this as a blessing. So enjoy that. Uh, <laughs> Colorado is playing San Jose. San Jose. You know, th- really, when it comes down to it, Joe, we were uh, what we were—a uh, Vegas Knights win away from being five, six, seven, eight in the West. But instead, San Jose. Now they have home ice the rest of the way. They're going to be a little tired for that home opener. Uh, against Colorado, who's coming in on fire. This series, the exact opposite of what I just said for Stars Blues, is probably going to be what I think we we wanted in Calgary, Colorado. A lot of offense, a lot of up-and-down open ice hockey. I'm expecting a lot of high-scoring games. And I'm looking right at Martin Jones and Philip Grubauer because I think both these goalies could be thrown off their rocker. But if they arrive in the big moments, it could end up being a short series if one goalie gets hot. It could. I mean
1: martin jones had that one game (laughs) like we talked about earlier but like you said colorado's been on fire ranting and they got kale mccars playing for them now scored a goal in his first game did you see this did you see at the game the dude brought a some dude brought a head of kale and was like cheering it around (laughs) i did see that
0: it was hilarious hey that's a tough place to play colorado pepsi center it's Kevin. Flashbacks. Almost a Denver it. Nugget. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Congratulations on having to go six or seven against the Spurs. Just phenomenal work. But oh yeah, anyway. you're
1: Spurs fan. Let's go. But Let's anyway. go. Yeah, okay.
0: But anyway. But anyway. Back to hockey. The real postseason. Uh, it's a hard place to play. You know, Colorado is just looking to get to a split to maybe get back home and and just work their magic there. I don't think they match up as well with San Jose as they did with Calgary. I'll say this because Calgary's defense, with the exception of Giordano, aren't really intimidating, aren't really physical, and they don't have a lot of depth. I know San Jose is banged up, but you can run out Vlasic, Carlson, and then obviously Burns. You got some options back there, and I think that's going to be a little tougher for Colorado to turn it into a, a full track meet for their first line. The depth lines are going to get some chances, but. You know, what Vegas was able to do, Vegas plays a much different style than Colorado. I actually think this might be trickier for Colorado's forwards. You think so?
1: I think Colorado's a little bit better offensively, honestly. And then the Sharks don't have Pavelski now. I mean, we'll see how he's doing. But And like you said, their D is hurt. And Colorado, they've been on fire. They've yep. got McKinnon, his, his, you know, like you said, top five player. He's been amazing. He was amazing in the last series. Randon was amazing. He had a great year. And then they're getting other contributions from like guys like you know Landis Gog or whatever. But they're looking pretty good. I, I don't re- I don't have a dog in this fight because I'm pretty sure we picked we both had the Flames here, and then I'm pretty sure we both had the Flames advancing. So
0: well, we did. Really, no, pretty, we didn't really. <laughs> we didn't actually forecast the, the second round in that side. But we did both have the Flames. We did both have the Sharks. We we're expecting that series. We got this one. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you two questions here. I know you're a uh, Hank Lundquist fan, but who would you say is the next guy on the list that hasn't hoisted a cup that most casual fans would be like, man, I hope he gets one? Ooh, that's tough. Well, I'm going to answer that myself. Who, He's playing in this series. He's playing in this series. It's Jumbo Joe Thornton, and I think there's a uh, little fairy tale thing. I know you believe in fairy tales. I do a little bit, too. <laughs> I'm going to say the Sharks win this series, and I'm going to say six games. Sharks and six. They're going to split all four games. There's not going to be a road win until game six. Great story, Colorado. Love you, huge fan. I think they're a little thin up front. I think they need some depth, and they're going to be back here for many years to come. Let's see what happens when Groove Bauer has to play some some high stakes quality game sixes and maybe game sevens. But I'm going Sharks in six. I'm I'm
1: I'm leaning I'm leaning Sharks. Just
0: thinking well, about that dallas San Jose matchup. Ooh, ooh. We're agreeing again. This is a disaster. That's always a bad thing. <laughs> I thought Colorado Stars would be funny, a 7-8 matchup in the Western Conference, but uh, two teams that couldn't even get the top three in their own division in the Central, that would be funny. But I think it lines up a little better for the Sharks. Let's just put it this way. Colorado has to win game one. That's their chance. Well-rested, on the road in the Shark Tank. That's the game. Who's game one, then San Jose's going to get some rest back.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree there. Hopefully San Jose gets a little bit healthy for this series, and Martin Jones looks like the guy we saw a couple nights ago. But it's hard picking against the hot Colorado team. It's really tough. But uh, I'm going to go. Yeah, I'll go San Jose mm. in six. Would you say,
0: six? Yeah, we're, we're, we're in unison right now. All right, you have Islanders, Canes. We'll do Eastern Conference first, uh, obviously these two. Uh, This series first Islanders-Hurricanes Cannot believe this is a second round matchup Islanders have home ice (laughs) Which they just gave away essentially It's not going to be at the Coliseum It'll be at the Barclays So, uh, Where you want to see a jumbotron above the blue line But that's where it is (laughs) Islanders-Hurricanes Good defense, good team chemistry Not a lot of star power in this game This will more than likely be the the series On USA Network and CNBC I'm assuming (laughs) But, uh, Joe, how do you see this one shaking <laughs> out?
1: <laughs> well, I, I, I kind of tipped my hand a little bit earlier, but I'm going to go Islanders. I'll say Islanders. I'll say Islanders in six. God,
0: I, I, I don't Carolina,
1: want... <laughs> Carolina surprised me the way that they played in that series against the Capitals, but then again, so did the Islanders. And the Islanders looked a lot more dominant to me, way more cohesive as a team. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm just not feeling Carolina, and you know what?
0: I don't want to keep agreeing with you. I'm going to say Hurricanes just because I have no feel on this series. (laughs) Um, No, you know what? I'm going to say Islanders. I want to disagree with you, but I don't like (laughs) the Canes that much either. You can't. I I can't. I'll say five. I think the Islanders make quick work of them, actually. I think it's going to be a short series. I think uh, an issue with the Capitals was how tired they were in the defensive zone. The Islanders might be what teams would consider boring. I think we could kind of agree on that but they don't take unnecessary yeah. risks, and they're not going to be – you know, the Capitals are a team that everyone flies up and down the ice. They take chances. They take risks. And then if Carolina can stand tall, they're going to get their chances on the other side. Those, those opportunities don't really exist. What the Islanders did to the Penguins, they're well-rested. They have a goalie playing really well. I know it's Barclays, but I'll go Isles and five. Sounds good to me. John Tavares. Thanks we're just, for off, coming. We're just off a game there.
1: Maybe, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll go maybe I'll go 5-2. I don't know.
0: Well, five, might as well. All right. Make if it you a little agree? With, all right. We'll see what happens here. <laughs> Columbus and Boston. You know, this series means a lot to me and uh look, I'll start with this question. <laughs> the Boston Bruins, I think they're I mean, they're definitely going to be the favorite to win the Stanley Cup now they have the most points of any team left. They got through what many people are going to say going into this round is their toughest opponent in the way. The path opened up to them with Tampa Bay out. This is a good team. I'm going to give credit to where credit's due. If Rask is playing well, they have the depth, as you said, on the defensive side. And they won that game seven with their third and fourth lines. They can roll four lines better than any team left in the playoffs, and I think that's going to be their key in this series. Four lines versus four lines, two deep teams up front. It's going to be, I think, a war of attrition. It's going to be a war. One one big difference that could be a negative for
1: Boston is just watching the last game there, Pasternak was making a lot of dumb mistakes throughout the entire game. The passing in that game was terrible on both sides. And I I don't know. I, I like I said before, Boston I still think is better defensively <laughs> than I thought they were better defensively than Toronto. I think they're better defensively than the Blue Jackets. And like you said, they have top to depth, top to bottom. And Tukorovka has been playing well. So it's kind of hard to pick against this team. But then again, you look at the Cinderella on the other side, where they do have a lot of talent. They just swept the best team in the playoffs. And they're well-rested. And I know you want to pick them.
0: <laughs> Sorry, you picking them? Well, I want to just say, yes, I was dead wrong last series, but it wasn't like anybody else, literally anybody else, ESPN, NHL Network, TSN, Home Shopping Network, wherever brackets are filled out. Home Shopping Network. They did not pick the Blue Jackets, so I wasn't alone in there. That said, I do think Columbus would have liked to match up a little better with Toronto. I think Boston's forward depth, their ability to control the play with those young athletic defensemen like a Charlie McAvoy, is going to be clutch. But I think Columbus is playing as a team with desperation. I know they're rested up, but Panarin, as we mentioned, his contract here, he's had a good playoff series. Duchesne came alive down late as well. I'm a smart man. I'm a student of hockey, and I understand all the matchup advantages that the Bruins have, which is why I'm going to say screw that. I'm an American. I'm supporting Columbus. Underdogs win fights. Just look at Rocky Four, Blue Jackets, and Seven.
1: Blue Jackets in seven. Well, I got Bruins in seven, so there's one we don't agree on there.
0: Jackets in seven. We're going to be, I think there's going to be splits. Each team wins a home game all the way through. Uh, They split each two in home, two and two. Bruins win game five. Columbus wins game six. Blue Jackets uh, win game seven, and they do it, and they get it done, and they move on. Columbus, it's buzzing. I'm picking you this time. Don't let me down. Cam Atkinson, <laughs> you're a Boston guy. You're coming home. Boston College, let's go. Proof, prove to him. So you,
1: have, you have a Blue Jackets Islanders conference fight.
0: Wouldn't that be what something? What the
1: hell is going on?
0: Yeah, I got a roommate <laughs> from college happening? who's an Islanders fan, and we've we joked about this scenario so many times, and it could actually happen. That also said, hey, look, Joe, as somebody that – Roots for teams that are often getting dealt with by Boston sports teams. Somebody's got to end this reign of terror. Might as well be the Columbus Blue Jackets.
1: Hey, I'm 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 all for it. I'm all for it. You know the Grand Slam is still
0: in play. That's what's annoying. the The Boston Grand Slam this year is still in play.
1: Well, let's make sure uh, you get it out of there. I'm picking them, <laughs> but uh, of all the cities to do something like that. It's got to be Boston. It's got to be. But like I said, stars are winning.
0: (laughs) A Boston-Carolina conference final, you would be pulling your teeth out, I think.
1: (laughs) That would be – I don't think I would watch.
0: (laughs) What's the worst-case final for you? I guess you don't hate any West teams. I don't either. You know, I got I mentioned the Blues Connection. Got a lot of Blues fans there. San Jose's never won before. I like Carlson a lot. I mean, with that hair, how could you not? Uh, Colorado's a fun team, and uh, Dallas is your stars are up and coming. Another team that hasn't won in two decades. So, any West team winning the cup wouldn't be upsetting. But I guess I you mean know, Islanders are Columbus. I don't want Boston. I don't want Carolina.
1: Out of the East, I don't want to see anybody but the Blue Jackets in yeah, the final. <laughs> welcome aboard.
0: Welcome aboard. I, I think we can end it with this, Joe. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get as many people as I can on uh, on the Columbus bandwagon by just Come on it. Screw s- it! I'm
1: picking them. I'm with you. Blue Jackets and seven. Let's go.
0: There we go. See, I'm there we go. Up. There we go. Hey, look! It's not rooting for Columbus. It's rooting against Boston. It's basically rooting against communism. So be on the right side of history.
1: <laughs> They're basically the same. They're basically the same. Nobody the- wants to see a Grand Slam, especially from those those fans that. <laughs> Ugh, they, there's way too many championships going around there well, for, no, this, for this whole period of time. There's 12-year-old kids walking around with signs playing, saying, I I have not gone a year without seeing a championship, blah, 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 blah. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I, I know. You're, you're preaching to the choir. Well, Joe, this was fun. We're going to have to reconvene for the conference final uh, here on the Money Mitch Effect. Uh, I will also say a final PSA. If you have a team you're supporting us, I know you do, Joe, and you're behind drink a tequila shot join the tequila challenge after your team wins you're really behind <laughs> and i think it's a guarantee that the stars will not beat the blues unless you join the challenge so no pressure but going to need you going to need you to step your game up if you want to push the stars over the limit
1: i i told you i found i found chocolate that's got tequila in it and i've been mm-hmm. eating it <laughs>
0: I don't man, that's such a technicality. Now I don't know what's gonna happen in that series. Uh wow. All and they right. won. They won. <laughs> that's true. They I'll did do win. it, I'll
1: do it, I'll do it. It's they just did. I keep forgetting to stop stop on my way home to get a bottle of tequila. Like that doesn't cross my mind. <laughs> I'm like, for, oh shit, I gotta stop for a bottle of tequila.
0: It's for good vibes for sure. And uh I know some people that have spread the word. We got a lot of people on board on the challenge. It's even gotten to some college kids that are just basically getting blacked out before games too so hey (laughs) interpret it however you want thanks for participating but i am not responsible your parents cannot contact me all right joe college
1: kids (laughs) everywhere taking part in the hockey shot (laughs) champ.
2: i am
0: not i am not responsible for this parents i'm sorry joe crasali thanks for joining the money mitch effect and talking hockey we'll be catching up with you soon
1: yeah man sounds good get some sleep
0: All right, huge thanks to Joker Sally. Always fun to talk to him about some hockey, and we will try. We will try to do better, but uh, (laughs) no guarantees there. The NHL playoffs, there is nothing like it. All right, now we're going to talk some football. The NFL Draft is tonight. Matt Wittenberg, good buddy of mine, joining the show next. We're going to talk about what all the teams at the top are going to do. Kyler Murray to the Cardinals seems pretty rumored, but is it a for-sure thing? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about what the Giants at six might do. Do they want Haskins? Do they want Daniel Jones? How will the edge rushers go? Who possibly could trade up? And who are some other deep sleepers and late-round first picks that we like? It's Matt Wittenberg talking NFL Draft now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, Money Mitch Effect here. We're ready to do an NFL Draft preview show. Matt Wittenberg is the house. What's up, man? How's it going? And uh, it's weird to be on the other foot here asking another fan about what they're going to do first overall.
2: Yeah, I know. It's an unfamiliar position for me too, but I figure that you're sort of the expert in this area. So uh, what, what should my expectations be going into uh, Thursday night with the number one pick?
0: <laughs> well, first off, I'm going to be watching Odell Beckham Jr. highlights. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely when the 17 pick is announced. But uh, it's a fun time I thought one of the best things that they did was made the first round its own its own thing the night before on Thursday night for mm-hmm. a lot of different reasons. One being, it's the round that most people care about. I think you really have to dive into it, be a junkie or be a diehard to, to really care about the later rounds. So, I think so it's us, good. basically. Yeah, so us. But yeah. I think it's good to have one round isolated on Thursday night. This is the main event. This is going to bring in the casual fans. It's going to be in Nashville. It's going to be fun. And it's also not going to have all the theatrics that the later rounds have that Kind of get overboard, in my opinion. <laughs> the
2: animals making the draft picks and whatnot. Yeah.
0: Nashville, yeah. I mean, Dolly <laughs> Parton's going to be making a few picks, I think. But in any event, the first overall pick is always drama-filled, especially when it involves a new head coach, someone trying to uh, install their, their team their team offense like Cliff Kingsbury. But for the last month or so, we've been hearing about Kyler Murray. It's no one surprised that he's strongly rumored to be going number one, although it's not a lock and there could be a bait-and-switch plan. I know you've been on record as saying you're you're not really a fan of the Murray pick. Is, is this going to be just infuriating if he gets picked, or is it one that you just say, oh, well, hopefully prove me wrong?
2: Uh, Probably more of the latter, just because, like like you said, this has been going on for the better part of a month ever since the Combine. And it's just like I've sort of been, like, resigned to the fact now that, like, okay, this is probably going to happen. I'm not going to be happy with it, but... Then once he's announced to be an Arizona Cardinal, then that's uh that's my quarterback, as uh Tio famously said. So I'll be, I'm not in love with it. I will be hoping that I'm proven mm-hmm. wrong about it, that he clicks with uh, Cliff Kingsbury, like everyone's projecting it, and that it's going to be a seamless transition, and that he's able to hold up to taking NFL hits, even being the shortest quarterback in the NFL. So. Cautiously optimistic. I'm obviously still hoping that he's not the pick and that somehow this whole smokescreen has been executed to perfection and that there might be well, Quinn and Williams or Nick Bosa in the works or even a trade. So that's so what I we'll was going to ask
0: you. If if they trade, are you still happy? I know it's you're not taking a quarterback. You're probably getting some picks, but... Would that be something you'd want to actually trade out of the first overall pick? Yeah.
2: I mean, it, it all depends on how far
0: you yeah. end up falling back. Just because I'm wondering, you wouldn't be drafting the most likely. Williams, Allen, maybe not Oliver. It does depend how far down you fall.
2: Yeah. If you stay within like the top like six or seven range, okay. then that's probably like the ideal where okay. you end up with someone that you have graded super high. But. Obviously, in a perfect world, I think my dream scenario would be that the Raiders want to trade up to one for Murray and I mean, swap with them and have four, and then land either Bosa, Williams, or uh, Josh Allen.
0: Yeah, I. You know, what's interesting about this whole whole scenario is that whatever happens, there's going to be a lot of dominoes immediately following. Who? Who teams draft, but also what the Cardinals do then with Josh Rosen? Yeah, exactly. That's the huge question, and whether that affects other teams' draft status. And I've been over this as well. I think that right or wrong, if you believe in a quarterback for your system, Kingsbury is going to get fired if the team sucks for the next four years. And if he thinks it's if he thinks the answer is Kyler Murray. Take your shot, go for it. No one will remember this that negatively at all if Murray is a good player. So Yeah, if
2: he wins rookie of the year and makes a pro bowl in his first year and the team wins, I don't they're not gonna make the playoffs, but the team wins gets close to five hundred or anything in that regard, then yeah. I mean, then I'll be one of the first to admit, hey, I was wrong. This this ended up in
0: working out. And I know, Rosen, it was the, a system that didn't do him any favors last year, certainly at the coaching level, the talent around him. Offensive line, especially. Offensive line. They are getting a good look at him, and they're going to make this decision with uh, as much information as any of us have, way more, in fact. So, Without it, a doubt. And then I, you can't keep both
2: of them on the roster, though, because no. you're just going to have the question every week. Kyler struggles oh how many reps is Josh going to get in this practice or Rosen comes in in the second half oh what's uh, Kyler's psyche like this week and then the team, it's just going to be yeah. a constant distraction throughout now, the year so. I know,
0: and and I agree with that I do think though that like you're in a business where I'm not feeling sorry for Josh Rosen your job is to compete mm-hmm. if he's the if they have both and there is a, a random scenario where they're both on the same roster he's going to have a chance to play and outperform him in training camp but it's going to be—it's just going to be something to see. I think all signs looking for Kyler. I don't see the Raiders trading up. I know it would be a Gruden special to maybe do it, <laughs> but I don't see him doing it just yet. I just don't think they're quite full in love with Kyler Murray.
2: Yeah, I mean, but the word is that they're not full in love with Derek Carr too, and that they're—he's the guy that they inherited. And obviously, there was a whole bunch of stories last season about Gruden not being thrilled about him. So, mm-hmm. I mean, whether that's Kyler Murray or, or a different quarterback or. Would it maybe even a move that they make next season. They, yeah, it, I, it seems like the writing's
0: on the wall that I, Carr isn't their guy. I think they're going to ride out this season, which has the potential to be a complete disaster, and then maybe make that move next year when some other strong possibility are in the draft yeah, class sure. as well. So if Murray goes one, that's when you have... The, the San Francisco 49ers just gifted a generational pass rusher. Yeah, I I mean, just what a
2: (laughs) even though that's been their thing lately is drafting defensive linemen. But obviously, I think Nick Bosa would be the best out of the bunch. Yeah,
0: they would have had to draft one of those three guys. I mean, if Bosa was gone, they would have had to go defense, given how top-heavy that position is. Remember, they're getting Garoppolo back next year as well, so they should be better on that on the offensive side. They're
2: probably a uh, big-time trade-up candidate or trade-back candidate. Excuse me, in case if a team happens to want to move up for a quarterback, whether it's Murray or Haskins,
0: depending on how number one shakes out. I think the biggest is the team right behind them, though. I think the Jets are the team that would trade down because if it goes Murray and then Bosa, now you're at a situation where the Jets actually have probably the hardest decision of the draft because it does get pretty tough to, to figure out who of the next three. I hate really projecting trades. I will say for quarterbacks, though, if it goes this way, if it goes Murray and Bosa... I don't know that any team out there is willing to risk it all for one of these guys. Probably and not. maybe we'll just take the chance that these quarterbacks will slip because there's a very good chance Haskins, other names like Locke and, and Daniel Jones aren't going to get taken pretty high. We might have one quarterback only in the top ten.
2: Yeah. And but I mean, we see it happen every year that quarterbacks somehow find a way to usually work their way up. Like, I mean, the whole conversation about Drew Locke, like, I mean, at the combine, he was probably thought of like at best, a second-round pick, and now guys are projecting him, like, middle of the first round, so it's just, I don't know, it's always that, that's what the first round's always built off, is what happens with the quarterback position, obviously, that's what made last year's draft so uh, insanely exciting with those five top-end guys that you knew, no matter what, were going to go in the first
0: round, so. Assuming the Jets are there, they take Williams, Oliver, I like Quinn and Williams. Williams. Quinn and Williams okay.
2: would be my pick at number one, to be honest. Really?
0: Yeah. Okay. I would go Bosa. I know it's a little biased there, but I do think the edge rushing ability in this new and advanced game, but yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to debate Williams as an athlete there. I think the fourth pick with the Raiders, if you're playing it by the book and you're playing it smart, just, just take Josh Allen.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a plug and play guy that can get after the quarterback—that's the name of the game on defense now. I know you. I know it's like, oh well,
0: we had Khalil Mack, and and, and I get it, and I get it—the talent. You're basically drafting a younger, less good version, but you're also Here. drafting an expensive one, and you're adjusting it to the slow developing curve of your team.
2: Yeah, and projecting forward a little bit too. So that would be. I mean, that, that pick at four, though, is provided, well, that they, provided too, I mean, they don't
0: trade up, is going to be a big one. Tampa work. at five has a great – I mean, with the depth, with what they need, which is actually a lot, <laughs> a lot, but uh, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Devin White, Ed Oliver, one of those guys. I mean, I know White's the plug-and-play projecting one there, and I think that's probably where they would go. But then we have Ed Oliver outside yeah. of the top five. Cheryl
2: McCoy is, is getting older, too, so I know there's like been reports out about him like – maybe not showing up for voluntary stuff so
0: i just you a, look at it like if, and plug
2: him up next to uh vita vea who they drafted right. last year so you have the if makings. white goes
0: if white goes fifth Oliver's out of the top five in our scenario and that seemed crazy yeah as recent as like four months ago supposedly if the jets stick
2: at three that he's at Oliver's is a strong possibility for them at, with that pick
0: over williams yeah wow that's one I think we agree we would not do. No, 100%. No, but especially because, I mean, I know they are different variations of it, but they both play a lot of D-tackle. I think we're also looking at that six pick because that's going to be a key to a lot of what this draft is. Will the Giants take Dwayne Haskins? Will they take a quarterback? Will they try to trade something for Josh Rosen? Here's another thing I want to just point out to everybody out there listening. I know Rosen has a lot of potential, but you're not going to get a first-round pick for him. No, It's just that's, not going to happen. too close to it's, it now. Like, I'd be
2: – I don't – okay, obviously I don't want them to trade Rosen at all, but if I could get a second round – provided I draft Kyler Murray number one overall. Second, if, I can get a second,
0: if I can get a second round pick for him, then I'd do it. I mean, I know what you're losing on that initial investment, but what goes as a first or second round pick these days? And if you can get a second mm-hmm. for Rosen, and I think that's going to – be a day two trade because we're going to have to see yeah, what these teams do in the first round. Are you surprised that the Giants are not really looking at Haskins? Maybe have soured on him a little. And then, I mean, we're yeah, hearing about Daniel, Daniel Jones is the big name, but for he's them right the now. only quarterback. He didn't get a first round grade. It was late second or early second for just about every draft analyst he's the only, that's the only team that really likes him this much. Yeah. I it's mean, kind of a weird, kind of a weird thing.
2: <laughs> it's uh, the Gettleman prototype though. And like, obviously Jones is the most similar type quarterback to Eli Manning that's in this draft. So that, from that standpoint, it kind of makes sense. But just from the like college production standpoint, obviously he didn't have the best skill players around him at Duke. But he was, like you said, a, late, a guy that burst late onto the scene. Played pretty well at the senior bowl, so it's just it's a, bit, a, yeah. a lot. I mean, I think he probably has the most starts out of any of the top end quarterbacks.
0: Yeah. I'm just thinking, verse lights on the scene, came good down the stretch. Sounds like another quarterback that could be, yes. <laughs> be drafted at six. I just, I, I mean, this is what we do every year. Dwayne Haskins, I'm going to say this, try to say this as someone that's not an Ohio State fan. Which you are. Which I am. <laughs> this is like Mitch Trubisky 2.0, and yeah. he's actually coming out looking a little more promising than Mitch Trubisky because he played better in big games, but I get it. The starts haven't been there. Mm-hmm. He was a late bloomer. His end of the season was so much better than his earlier the season, but you do have to wonder if that was him just getting more comfortable, if it was a system play type situation. Ryan Day did put him in a great position at the end of the season. But if you're talking about pure instincts and making his reads and progressions, I don't think there's anyone in this draft better, including Kyler Murray. But Murray gets you is the athleticism, is the ability to make plays, which yeah. I get. It's a gamble, but if you want something more of a sure thing, as much as there could be, I would go Haskins here. The, the idea that you're not going to take Haskins isn't crazy to me. The idea that you're going to take Jones 6 and still be going at a quarterback here the Giants have six and 17 they have trade chips that they want to go after Rosen and Mm -hmm. if they really like Jones he'll probably be there at 17.
2: Yeah but the I've heard this like repeated a few times just watching like draft draft uh lead up coverage like if you like the guy to be your franchise quarterback if you like him at 17 you're gonna take you should take him at six and not chance it like because that's going to be your franchise quarterback, and then
0: I, I'm t- Daniel Jones, franchise quarterback. No, I mean, just, well, I mean, I know. I, granted, I, know, I don't see the, it working out belief. that way, but but nobody if that's else. What the Giants is are playing him. at. Yeah. Nobody else. That's what's crazy about all this. Even Christian Ponder had a few teams over, kind of into him. <laughs> EJ Manuel. <laughs> yeah, that was. Well, that draft. I mean, I, I'll always remember the 2011 draft as what are we doing here? <laughs> when you had Jake Locker playing Gavard and Ponder and Cam, and we, Cam we had a legit one. conversation about who the number one quarterback was. Yeah, there's that, that famous
2: like sports illustrated cover of like who's number one with like them all
0: in their like combine <laughs> gear and like come on. Oh man. All right. Money Mitch Effect NFL draft. We're breaking it down. So just to put a bow on this Giants thing, do you think they go Jones here or do you think they go smart defense or or maybe even chance it with Haskins? You know, I think they go Jones. I'm gonna say defense. I know I, I, I know they're looking at Gary from Michigan, and uh, my feelings for him are pretty, pretty apparent. And he
2: has that uh, shoulder issue too; that he might need surgery during the off season. So,
0: smartest thing that they could do would be to take Williams, uh, the guard from Alabama, just put a lineman up there. You could always Jonah use one Williams. of those. And, but yeah, it looks like Jones. Man, that would be crazy. The Jaguars are a team that I think they're looking at a lot of different options, but. We see D-tackle, we see offensive tackle, tight end. They just signed Nick Foles. What yeah, do you think obviously they'd... they're not going quarterback. I mean, is it possible that <laughs> – I'm trying to think defensively if they could add another piece there because if Oliver slips or if Juwan Taylor or somebody like that's there, do you think they'd go D-tackle and just load up?
2: No, I think that if – given that, that situation, I think they probably go offensive line with like someone like Juwan Taylor, maybe Andre Dillard out of Washington State too. Or if they want to, like, load up and give Nick Foles a weapon, there's not really a wide receiver that would be taken that high. But Noah Fant's been getting a ton of high out of Iowa. So, I mean, that they're a big-time uh, wild card. Uh, another, like, prime trade candidate, too, which I'm sure that they would love to get some extra picks if someone wants to trade up. And, I mean, depending on what the quarterback <laughs> yeah. situation looks like, there's <laughs> so much unknown at the top of the draft right now.
0: I do say, though, that the, the Jaguar defense, I know Blake Burles was bad last year. But it wasn't very good. No. A lot lot worse than it was the year before. The Lions, I'm doing some quick math here. If it shakes out the way we think it might, they could end up with whoever falls to them. Oliver, Allen, Williams even. I mean, they could end up with a defensive stud.
2: Yeah. This
0: team hasn't had many defensive studs in the last 20 years. Yeah, and they
2: uh, shelled out for Trey Flowers in the offseason. So Matt Matt Patricia got to reunite with him, his old uh. DN out of New England, and I, I would definitely be wouldn't be surprised if they went in defense either.
0: Well, here's the bold pick that everybody's looking at at nine. We could see our first and maybe only f- tight end in this draft. Oh, Hawkinson to the Bills, the other uh, Iowa tight end, those, Al- those Allen to Hawkinson. <laughs> that plays. sounds sounds like a Buffalo
2: combination, though, doesn't it? It really
0: does. I- Hawkinson's great. It's funny that Iowa has the top two tight ends on the draft board, mm-hmm. and the only two that got first round grades. It actually makes a lot of sense. You have a young quarterback. You need to get him a safety blanket. Yeah, they signed in the offseason,
2: They signed uh, Cole Beasley, John Brown to be his wide receivers. So obviously, that's not they exactly hit a, they hit. And I say this as row. a compliment. They hit a lot of
0: singles in mm. the off season. It's not all about hitting home runs.
2: Yeah, it's like getting guys that can you know actually suit up and you can depend on
0: fair market value as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, you're not hamstrung future years when. You eventually have to pay Josh Allen.
0: And at 10, everyone's looking at the Broncos as maybe the Drew Locke destination. Destination? Yeah. Are you buying that? you think this is where it's going to be? Yeah. I mean, Elway okay. loves
2: his tall quarterbacks, wow. even though I know that they obviously made the trade for Flacco, but he's not the long-term answer by any stretch. I don't think Locke is a first-round guy either, but he's
0: going to get taken there. You're going to have <laughs> three quarterbacks out of Dwayne Haskins. No, I mean, it could happen, which is crazy. With the Bengals at 11... People are putting this as the four for Haskins. Do you see it that way, or do you think there's more to go? I could. I mean,
2: keep him in Ohio. I don't think there's really necessarily a Cincinnati-Ohio The, Cincinnati, the Ohio fact that State it's taken us but... this
0: long for the Bengals to – address Dalton was in that 2011 class, so we went in the right. second round. Yeah. First pick second round, or near the top of the second round. The fact that it's taken this long for the Bengals to address that quarterback position is crazy. And if he falls to them at 11, you have to take him. Like, yeah, I it's think just we're in agreement there. Yeah, 100%. Because Dalton's, like, he's,
2: I mean, we're not breaking any news with this. He's just, like, the epitome of average. Like, he's not bad enough to, like, be benched and, like, cost you too much. But he's definitely not good enough that he's going to take your team far in the playoffs. I mean, he hasn't won a playoff game, so. No,
0: take you far. Yeah, take you to the (laughs) second round. It won't happen. I'm just looking at some other teams in the draft. It's the Dolphins at 13 and the Redskins at 15. So those would be the other two inning spots. Mm-hmm. For some, maybe a few of these quarterbacks if they're available.
2: Yeah, or a Rosen candidate, one of those. Or a those Rosen two.
0: candidate. Now, and, and I would throw the Giants in at 17 with their second first round pick. I wonder if any of these QBs peak interest because I do think the Redskins are. are it, I say the Bengals are the four. Redskins are not letting Haskins. No, go if, past he, them. if he slips it the hometown boy, out. too. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah, they, I, I they'd think, run up the card for that. I think Miami is secretly hoping that he doesn't fall because I think they really want to tank. Yeah, I think they're a prime. Just sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, he'll he'll win you like
2: maybe four games. And then, yeah, because by all of the counts, the other like draft reports is that they're all in on Tua for next year. And obviously, they want to get too talented before that and risk uh, missing out on that first pick.
0: Where do you think a player – we're kind of going to go off the grid here instead of just go through every one of these picks. Yeah, but sure. where do you think Montez Sweat's going to end up? Because he's another guy that his workouts have been great. We're not sure. We yeah, saw some games. the game. question so marks. Could be as high as like six or seven, but could be late in the teens as well. Do you think he's going to be on the, the high end of draft picks or fall a little bit? No, I
2: think he's going to slip. And then some team, obviously like a playoff type team, will – End up taking a chance on him. It
0: could be a trade up. Those are the sneaky trade ups. Yeah, moving up from in the twenties to, to like the late teens to get a player like that. We saw the Saints do it last year for that uh, UTSA. Uh, oh yeah, Marcus Davenport. Davenport. Yeah. So they they will throw some late round picks to do it as well. Um, no, it's funny to, to funny to think about that. But looking at some of the other players, there's a lot of Michigan guys on this board. Unfortunately,
2: yeah, Devin Which Bush.
0: Devin Bush. All right. I don't know. if I don't know if I see it. He's in that. I, I'm, I'll am i be honest. If Gary's healthy, that's an NFL prospect. That's a blue chip player. Bush, Bush you're not I want to see where he plays, what scheme he fits into. I'm getting a little of that Peppers vibe. I know it was a little different, but where mm-hmm. they think he does a lot of different things, what can he really succeed in at the next level? Yeah,
2: definitely. Obviously, he's a little bit in like the Peppers. like He's a little bit bigger than uh, Jabril Peppers was, or is, but, yeah, I mean, he's not exactly the build for a middle linebacker and he's not really an edge rush guy. So it's just like, maybe he feels feel like more of like the day Buchanan role, the ex Cardinals linebacker who signed with Bruce Arians in the box where he's like sort of that tweener, like right. safety linebacker box line or box safety type player. And that's probably his role. He's definitely the second best linebacker in the class. I mean, Devin White is clear in
0: shoulders above him, yeah. but... And that's the top... I mean, at the very latest, he's fallen to eight where we said the Lions, yeah. but he's probably going in the top five or six. What do you think about Farrell uh, for Clemson? Because he was a guy that... All he did is win at Clemson. Mm-hmm. It was a beast, but not getting the top 10 grade. Yeah, So much talent his, on that defensive the thing, line around wonder, him. You wonder how good he actually is,
2: but he's a first-round pick at the very least. Yeah, yeah. Him and Dexter Lawrence will both probably be first-round. So, yeah, I, I liked his game a lot in college, and then... Just uh obviously you know that he has played on the biggest stages, played Alabama, what, three years in a row now? And then it's just that quite like I said, the question about like how much of his production is attributed to the guys around him because obviously those guys
0: commanded attention too. So What if Montez sweat just go back to him ends up on a team like Seattle? <laughs> I, I could would, use I it. Would now. <laughs> Their spot just opened up. Yeah. These trades are getting I, in a way, I'm kind of happy because I, I look at another sport like the NBA where the contracts are getting so ridiculous. Yeah, guys are starting to get what I think they deserve in the NFL, and I know Frank Clark. Another we're adding the Michigan yeah, discussion here, Michigan podcast. Today. He's a beast, and Seattle just couldn't pay him. I, I don't. He said things like to be where he's wanted. I, I think that's partially true. I don't think Seattle ever did wrong by him. No, It just ran out of money. <laughs> they just made their that <laughs> made their quarterback
2: the highest paid guy in the league, and then. Bobby Wagner's contracts coming up soon. It was a good trade Jeremy. by the Chiefs.
0: It was a good trade by the Chiefs because he's going to play a different system than d 4 yeah. played.
2: They're obviously all in on getting a Super Bowl before Mahomes' rookie contract is up.
0: To. You have to do it that way. It's your best window for a lot of these teams. And um, once once he's on the
2: book for whatever he's going to get 40 million a year, then Yeah.
0: Just don't call just don't <laughs> go just don't go off sides in the AFC Championship. Yeah. Can that's you just, that's you why, can why just, they ship d 4 out. Can you just do that? Uh, another position that doesn't have a lot of players than any that we've mentioned so far is in the secondary. The first one everyone's seeing in the late teens, early twenties range: Greedy Williams on LSU. Yeah, the cornerback.
2: I actually like Byron Murphy a little bit okay. more, but like, I mean, i have more of a Pac-12 type bias, and I've seen Byron Murphy play more than I saw Greedy Williams, so I just like his physicality. And he's a kid, another kid from uh, the Phoenix area that ASU failed to get to uh, get in their doors. So I'd like to see him land land in a good spot.
0: Well, I was looking at a destination. Another organization I love with the Steelers. No, yeah, they're, they're in there. the market for a corner for sure. What about? But my favorite, <laughs> my favorite uh, doomsday scenario is if they don't go corner, if they go receiver and draft Hollywood Brown, Antonio <laughs> Brown's cousin, yep. to replace him. That is a guy that I'm I'm curiously watching, not just where he gets drafted, but how he looks because he was going to go probably pushing top ten if he would have been healthy. Yeah, last top year. fifteen at the worst. Uh, in that injury, but looking good, and somebody that I think is—I mean, by all accounts—the first receiver I think taken.
2: Yeah, I feel like he's like the only consensus guy that is pretty much assured
0: to go in the first round. Are you like, all? Are you a little like—I shouldn't say hurt, but taken aback by your boy falling a little bit? No, no, because I, I want Nikhil Harry at thirty-three. Okay. So well, that's where it's looking at. Yeah, okay, so
2: I, I would be all about that. Like I predicted last year that we'd get Christian Kirk in the second round. So. Just double up on second round receivers from Arizona
0: too. I do want to take a look at the receiver rankings just a little bit because you have some interesting notes here. I really do. I think the top four or five are all probably bottled up together. I'd say the top four with Brown with DK Metcalf, who's another workout warrior. That I feel like we watched him play. Like we watched those games, and and I'm I'm all for the guy that's a late bloomer if he gets the right coaching. But it's going to take some time. DJ Brown was so much better than him. It, but it is possible. We know that you can become great, and you could be much better than the guy that was getting all the routes and better in college. I'm just saying, if you draft him, that's why he's. That's why even with the workout, he's not a top 15, 20 guy. No,
2: he's. You're gonna have to learn. He's and, the prime bus candidate. In my, I mean, I don't think that that's a like particularly unique opinion, but just nope. like going all in on the combine is a dangerous game to play. Though AJ Brown is not a slouch, he could go late first himself. So. Yeah. I feel like he and – well, I mean, I think someone will reach on Metcalf in the first, but I think that Brown would be, like, the only other one other than Hollywood Brown. The two Browns, I feel like, both end up in going late first. Like, maybe the Ravens, Colts, I could see. There's a lot of – Maybe even the Packers. Like, there's there's some receiver-needy teams at the back end of the first round.
0: Receivers and corners, I feel like, could be gone, like, crazy in the last ten picks of this draft. I see four or five Mm -hmm. corners projected to go right, yeah. including my favorite name in the draft, Rocky from yep. Temple. Temple. So yeah, that, that's
2: a, definitely the best name in the
0: draft. It's it's hard to beat that one. It is, and, and the guy you mentioned in the interior, Dexter Lawrence, who had his fair share of issues, but yeah, getting suspended for the <laughs> yeah. playoff, no big deal. But he was a beast, and uh, he's another one that I think you get him on, on a contender. Like I don't know, the Rams. Yeah, I mean Jesus, that would be play the next Aaron Donald. Don't even have to play; you can just rotate in, and then I think that's the Eagles' blueprint of we're just going to have seven, eight guys that can all play.
2: Yeah, when they took uh, Derek Barnett with all of their depth that they have on the D line.
0: Couple more uh, prospect breakdowns before we wrap this up here on the Money Mitch Effect, Matt. We look at like all these receivers and some of the late picks. I know I'm a homer for Paris Campbell and what I think he can do. I love his game too. In the slot with his speed. I think mm-hmm. he did have the fastest or one of the top two fastest 40 times. Mm-hmm. Gotta rep my guy from Cleveland though. From uh, UMass Amherst. Andy <laughs> and Isabella. Yeah. He has Patriots written all over him. Doesn't you think he? so? Third, fourth round? You think that's where <laughs> he's gonna end up? I mean, yeah. yeah, it's possible. Slot
2: receiver? Went to UMass? I mean.
0: Oh, oh well, one thing. One thing I just want to point out. Not exactly a, a, a prototype white slot receiver. Played a lot on the outside, mm-hmm. more of a Brandon Cooks type game, and four-three speed. Yeah, and we mentioned that stat, Beat Denzel Ward in the 100 meter dash to win a state championship. Yeah, it's no, so.
2: he's no slouch, that's so, for sure. And he, he was a Bolitnikov finalist this late, uh this past year too.
0: Yeah, he's gonna have to really. My boy Nikhil wasn't a Bolitnikov finalist. It wasn't. Mm. He's gonna have to put the. T- yeah, Judy wins it just because Tua gave it to him. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, we didn't really mention any running backs this could be another year where no running backs go in the first round i don't
2: think any do unless there's like a surprise like the year seahawks took rashad penny at the end of the first round
0: i think jacobs is the best back but he's not i mean it's funny because he reminds me of uh, brandon jacobs more yeah. than anybody <laughs> but he's not going to blow you away with speed but that is a true workhorse back that can be very successful in the nfl we're just at a point with running backs where unless they're Zeke good, girly yeah, good, Saquon, Saquon good, why reach that early? One hundred percent. I was
2: actually just having this conversation with a buddy on the way over here about uh, Jacobs at Alabama. Where do you want to invest a first round pick in a guy that couldn't establish himself as the lead as the workhorse at Alabama? Obviously, a lot of competition in that backfield, but I don't I don't think you take him necessarily expecting immediate return to be that three-down NFL running back right out of the gate. So I think you have to do a lot of projecting forward with him, which might be more second- or third-round type
0: range. He's the only one close to the first round. I do think Damian Harris is another guy that has some potential. But I I really like Montgomery at Iowa State. I think he's going to be successful in the NFL. Don't know if he's got every downback mm-hmm. capability, but, I mean, we watched him play. His speed yeah. is ridiculous. I think he's going to be right behind painful. those uh, <laughs> Big Ten Iowa linemen for sure. <laughs> no, and I, and I think there's a few there's a few out there that could be interesting. And, and it's funny because Holyfield had such a bad combine combine. It might not be him, but you know there's some sleepers out there as well. Um, looking at a guy like Rodney Anderson, what he looks like at the next level. So yeah, Big Twelve's like got his, a, lot like a lot of game. A Big Twelve's got a lot of running backs, and he had as well. an injury too this last year. I would say... That whole Oklahoma offense is scary. uh, Benny Snell, the kid out of Kentucky, I think could be at least a complimentary back as well. Uh, We mentioned kind of tight ends. There wasn't really many other than the two Iowa ones. Yeah. The one that I think could be something, just from watching some of those Pac-12 games with you, uh, the Stanford kid, Caden Smith. I think he could be a fourth, fifth-round pick and has good hands. Stanford obviously has a pretty good pedigree for making tight ends. I think there is something about Shaw really preparing him. Preparing... players for the next level oh, and
2: speaking a little bit about stanford but not a tight end but a wide receiver jj arcega Whiteside is that big like prototypical red zone target and he probably ends up in going he was a gamer round
0: yeah he was a gamer uh i do want to mention quarterbacks before we wrap as well we talked about the, the primary big ones is there anybody you like maybe round two round three even round four
2: I think we probably have the same one in that it's uh, Will
0: Will Greer. <laughs> you you spent some time in yeah. West Virginia yeah. scouting him. No, uh, we do have the same one, and uh, this just to me has Patriots written all over it. Yeah, accurate
2: guys started a bunch of games in college. We'll do what the coaches yeah. ask. You don't want he's not going to be thrust in to start right out of the gate. So God,
0: please don't let this happen. Oh <laughs> man, I uh, think Jared Stidham
2: <laughs> could actually end up in being pretty good too. I heard that he worked out with. Uh, Jordan Palmer, who ended up in a – he's famous quarterback's coach out here in Southern California. Carson's brother, actually, and Mm -hmm. he trained uh, Sam Darnold and Josh Allen this last year leading up to the draft. And I heard him raving about Stidham's workouts and being able to see him on the field. And obviously he's another guy that started a bunch of big-time games playing for Auburn. Playing that SEC schedule. So he's probably, he and Greer, I think, are probably the next two like mid round type guys that you could expect like yeah. some kind of NFL success from.
0: Yeah, maybe not Finley. I just, I mean, NC State was a disaster
2: last year mm-hmm. in any big game. The only other he one. just reminds me of Mike Glennon. Obviously, have the NC State connection. Yeah. So. A little ostrich <laughs> I think that's what you're saying.
0: The only other one that I would say maybe take a flyer on and could be a long backup. Also, given what his school produces, is a Thorson out of Northwestern. He had some flashes mm-hmm. of some things, and I think he could be somebody as well. Pro-style system, too, in yeah. college. It, wouldn't be, it would not surprise me if 12 years from now, Thorson's filling in in like a week 17. Yeah, he'll be like the next
2: generation's <laughs> Ryan Fitzpatrick or something, just always sticking around. Just going or around. Josh McCown, one, one of the two.
0: Brian Hoyer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just floating around with him. it has got another Super Bowl ring. It's there. great work if you can get it. Anybody else that we didn't mention that we're... Kind of forgetting maybe like a late bloomer in this draft or somebody that's as far as quarterbacks go any position anybody else that we didn't really discuss I'm trying to think who else might because you know there's I look at the Super Bowl every year there's third and fourth round picks that are making huge plays and yeah. and swinging things that's honestly
2: my favorite round third and the fourth well I guess two favorite rounds third and the fourth because yeah that's where you really fill out the roster. And you actually like still get guys that you oh, what have about, seen in college.
0: Keep it, keep it, Michigan going, never again. What about Winovich? Where does he get drafted? Ooh,
2: yeah, he's an interesting one. He's probably going to go second, I would think. But yeah, his production this year wasn't as good as it was his uh, junior season. So got to see him in that uh, all or nothing show. He seems like a cool, like good, like down to earth kid, and really funny. But <laughs> I know you're not going to be rooting for him <laughs> yeah, totally, unless yeah. unless the Browns <laughs> somehow end up with him, but. Yeah, he's an interesting one to project. I think he's like a good rota- rotation guy, like out of the gates. But as
0: far as like playing three downs now, yeah, I I don't know that that he didn't another guy that doesn't really have a set position and is pretty undersized, so he's gonna have to earn for everything. Yeah, that he uh oh. one another
2: name that kind of came
0: comes to mind
2: because we were mentioning tight ends a bit ago is uh, Jay Sternburner out of uh, Texas A&M, who's probably like the consensus number three tight end and he did put up a lot of good numbers in that and m off it's only got to be in jimbo fisher's system for a year but he's a guy that could probably go maybe third fourth round be that next uh tight end off the board
0: i want to i do want to mention safeties we haven't really given them love yeah. uh the number one ranked one is from delaware so oh is that right it's yeah. not taylor Rapp. it's adderley rap is just behind him i mean it's close yeah. but uh, really I, I like rap air. a lot, too, because obviously was
2: getting to see him play a lot in the Pac-12.
0: Gardner Johnson out of Florida had a very good year down the stretch for them. Florida played very well. Uh, but if you're looking at kind of somebody out there, there's always the the Alabama option, Thompson. Oh, Deontay well. Thompson, yeah. Uh, he's, pr-
2: he's probably going to end up being the best out of the bunch.
0: I mean, most likely, right? Like, we're just going to be here uh, in, a, in a while saying that he's going to be the best. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I mean, Why didn't this guy go in the first
2: round? Well, it's yeah. funny how
0: many – like, Alabama and Clemson have just – First, the fourth rounders, left and right, and you're like, "What? This is like the sixth Clemson linebacker I've seen." Yep. And we're still in the fourth round. Oh yeah. What about uh, Hunter Renfro? Is he going to end up on the Patriots like everyone thinks? Him and Sills (laughs) from West Virginia are going to have a competition. I don't know. I that was a good story, but we do have to remember he was a walk on, so I don't know that he has the speed at the next level. But Uh, he's a gamer. But he's a gamer. It's a big draft for the Patriots. I mean, we don't know how much longer that's going to be going on. They have the so. most
2: picks, though, too. I think they have 12. So mm. Obviously, you know that they're going to make a ton of trades to move back like they do every year.
0: All right. This was fun. I think we got our draft primer ready to go. Matt Wittenberg, thanks for joining Good luck. I appreciate it. With everything, it. stay calm. Kyler Murray or not, it's going to be a wild Thursday night. Yeah. In, uh, watching Nashville, but thanks for coming on. Of the course.
2: We'll see how my uh, reaction is on the next one. Well,
0: we certainly will. <laughs> And that's it for today's show. Thanks again to both guests, Matt Wittenberg, Joe Crisali. Thanks again to Brian Nelson for supplying the podcast artwork. And Tim Adams for supplying the music that you hear on this show and every show of The Money Mitch Effect. You can check out every episode of The Money Mitch Effect on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. Just search it. It comes right up. Leave a rating, a review, subscribe there. We are also on Facebook, Money Mitch Effect page there, and I'm on Twitter, Money Mitch M21. A lot of sports coming up, basketball still going. I saw the Warriors last, lost last night. I think that's real. They're one of the few teams still playing in the first round of the NBA. Baseball starting, and we know the draft is tonight, and hockey keeps going. Let's go, Blue Jackets. Game one against Boston. Get it freaking done. I'm Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, keep enjoying sports.